you for tuning in today to the Healthy Minds Podcast, where we host conversations with people who are really good listeners, and we ask them to share with us. I'm Lucy Caldwell, and I work for Fairfax County Public Schools. Thank you for joining us, Bethany Kozalak, a mental health and wellness specialist for FCPS. Today, we're going to talk about activating empathy in children. And this is an important topic, and there are many reasons why. Feeling understood and cared about is a human need and a way we relate to others. Such is why empathy is considered essential for building strong communities. Empathy is the ability to understand another person's perspective and to share in what that person is feeling, thinking, or experiencing. In other words, it's having an understanding of what it must be like to walk in another person's shoes while demonstrating compassion for that individual. So here we are, Bethany. We're in what month is this of the pandemic? And we are all just empathy is probably wearing a little bit thin on people, frankly. People are frustrated. A lot of people are angry. You know, you're just seeing these sort of extreme behaviors. And so what can we say and be thinking about empathy now? And why does it matter now? Well, thank you for having me back. It's sure. nice to be here. And, and I think this is such a timely discussion, right? We're yeah. in, in the midst of a presidential election mm-hmm. where we have differing perspectives and points of view. And, and I think that empathy is really powerful in allowing us to maintain relationships with people, even when we might not have the same perspective or might not see things in the same way that they do. And I, I just think it's a really powerful relationship skill that you do learn over time. And it it does take some time to develop that because it can be hard to see the perspective of others um, and and really understand how they're feeling. So I'm glad we're having this conversation today. It's probably tough at the the holiday dinner table come this year when you look at such divisiveness and uh, how people are feeling. And they say, well, I'm just not going to invite Uncle Todd to our Thanksgiving dinner this year. I mean, who even knows what's going to happen for the holidays? Are people going to eat in their driveways or, you know, what are people going to do? I wonder about that. Yeah, that's that's an interesting <laughs> an interesting thought. I don't even plan right. that far in advance because it's hard to tell. We've all learned to basically to stop planning for a little while. Yes. Um, but so uh, thinking about empathy, tell us some ways that we model empathy. Well, it's so interesting because I've listened to all of your podcasts and and, and (laughs) nearly every single one, everybody is talking about modeling behaviors for our our children, right? Right. And and when I was thinking about modeling empathy, it's it's in our conversations, it's in our everyday skills and 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 our everyday interactions with people. And and again, election season's an awesome time to have these discussions because you really can't always just block some of those relationships. My mom and I are on very opposite spectrums when it comes to politics, and mm-hmm. and I learned very quickly that you you can't just shut those people out. So listening, asking questions, so that you can better understand um, how that person is feeling. Why does that bother you? Why are you upset by that? How do you think others are feeling about the same topic? Um, maybe somebody that's grown up differently or in a different part of the country, and I think 
modeling that those questions and asking people where they're coming from is so huge for our kids. Um, one of the things that, that just initially comes to mind is when, um, whether it's teachers or parents, when you're reading stories or watching television shows, pausing that show or stopping the, the, the reading of the story that you're in the midst of and saying, wow, why do you think that person feels the way that they do? I think the other powerful thing is really that to understand others' emotions, we have to understand our own emotions. Right. And, and that can be a challenge. So modeling that you can express how you're feeling, there are no wrong feelings, mm-hmm. there are no wrong emotions, and then processing those feelings and, and showing your children how you've processed those emotions and, and kind of coped with some of the challenging emotions. It's a really interesting point because um, I think we're all finding ourselves feeling a little bit differently these days. And we ask, hopefully we're asking and looking inside and saying, well, why did I just say that to that person? Um, That probably didn't sound so nice, or Mm -hmm. that's uncharacteristic of me. I was just mentioning to you today that I said, gosh, I'm sure I sounded a little bit mean to somebody, but it was really just about being direct Mm -hmm. and getting things done. But so what do you do when, you know, I say, oh, I sounded a little mean. Do you go back or what What do you do about that? Yeah, it's a, it's, <laughs> it's a redo. It yeah. Redos are okay and mistakes yeah. are okay. And, and teaching our youth, no matter what age, that we make mistakes or maybe we say something that wasn't as um, thoughtful as we wanted it to be or, mm-hmm. or set in the tone that we wanted it to be. And so taking a step back, thinking about it, and then really saying, I'm sorry, I this is uncharacteristic of my behavior mm-hmm. or or helping people see where you're coming from. So so if you're interacting with somebody that you usually don't and they they their job is to do this, but yeah. your job is to protect the kids or protect the students or protect right. the staff in FCPS, right? You have to help them understand where you're coming from and that's okay too. I think it's really important for us to share where we're coming from with others so that they can can empathize with what we're feeling or what we're doing. It absolutely it's um basically about sharing the dilemma, isn't it? Sharing the dilemma and this is a big one right now. We are facing a lot of challenges. Yeah. How can we practice empathy? Um, a lot of people listening may have children or they may be staff members and have a classroom. What are some of the things they can do to practice? Well, so the it, it it's I think we've talked about it a little bit, mm-hmm. but but really starting with okay, um, recognizing our own emotions, but then in practice, it's surrounding ourselves with people that come from different backgrounds or have different experiences, because there is no better way to understand what somebody is going through than to really hear a different story from yours. I I, I grew up in a very, very small town, and then I moved here, and it was, you know, shell shock. And but it was so powerful for me, because I learned about so many different walks of life that I wouldn't have if I had stayed in the area I was. But we have to consciously do that and continue to do that and and learn about other people's lives and, and hear their story. I think it's just so powerful to hear someone's story. I think that's a really good suggestion because it does seem sometimes that we're all sort of going down this road and we're not 
you know, because of everything that's going on right now, we're not straying. We're not, not making a right instead of a left and going through a different neighborhood than you're used to or just taking a different way home from the store or mm-hmm. anything. And even something like that can open your eyes to, to something that you might not be used to, can it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, Lucy, it really just makes me think about school, right? Where we, we are all engaged in this huge dilemma of how to support our students and, and people are on all different sides of the coin with this. But this is, this is where I always think that people are trying to do what's best for kids, whether it's teachers, whether it's parents, we all have the same intention of doing what's best for children. And so understanding why maybe somebody is upset with a decision that was made, but then how we can support them in and letting them know what we're doing to support others too. I think that's really important. You've been a school-based counselor for psychologist, years. Psychologist, yes. Yes. Excuse me. No, it's you've okay. Been, you've been a school-based psychologist for years. What happens when you encounter a child who doesn't have feelings of empathy? Maybe they were not exposed to that, or what do you do when you see that? And, you know, you're coming in, obviously, because of something that happened, but what do you do about that? Yeah, I think a lot of that is about the conversations that we have with them. Mm-hmm. Um, in Fairfax County, we have we have trainings and, and something called restorative justice that is um, a way we engage with students, a way we can engage with staff, but also um, an intervention, right? And, and the whole point of that is to really hear that side from maybe it's the victim in a situation and understanding why they feel hurt or upset or harmed by something so that that student that maybe made a mistake can can learn to understand oh this is how my actions impacted somebody else and so the the restorative justice process is very powerful in that way um, but one-on-one we're having those same conversations with students we're well trying to process and and usually not when they're at peak we're trying to do that when they have been able to de-escalate a little bit and can process their actions what kinds but, of questions might you ask them well, asking, what, how do you think what you did impacted your teacher? Or how do you think your teacher felt after, you know, you disrupted this entire lesson? How do you think um, the student that you punched in the face was feeling afterwards? Or that when you made fun of them because of their clothes, um, why do you think that might have been hurtful? And, and really trying to process just how those act, our own actions impact others. I think we sometimes forget that, whether we're very empathetic individuals or not. Sometimes you, we all just get wrapped up in ourselves. And so that does happen. That's human nature. But taking a step back, processing, um, acknowledging that maybe we said something that might have hurt somebody or harmed someone. Interesting. You mentioned the term restorative justice, and a lot of listeners probably don't understand what that means. Uh, Having worked in the law enforcement field for many years, I do recall some law enforcement from Fairfax County uh, Police Department 
working with the schools on restorative justice. Give us a little bit of an idea of what that is and if you think we should be doing a podcast on that topic. <laughs> I think that would be a, a great idea. We, I know we have some specialists in FCPS that would be wonderful presenters, and I'll let them speak to all of the details on that. I'm making a note now. There you go. Um, <laughs> but I, restorative justice is really, rather than just looking at disciplinary consequences, yeah. learning from our mistakes. As I said before, mistakes are okay, mm-hmm. but trying to make amends with those that may have been harmed mm. and, and, and hearing how we may have wronged someone um, and then being able to come to an agreement that everybody is comfortable with. So it's not just... Um, an authoritative figure saying, this is the consequence for what you did. Do we always learn from that? Not necessarily. Um, We're really, we're trying to help students learn from the mistakes that they may have made. How do parents get involved in that? And how are they informed when um, this process is underway? You know, I, I, would assume that they're typically notified. I don't know all of the details on that, so I will let your next guest speak to that a little bit <laughs> I, more. I'm I sorry do re- I don't have all those answers. Oh, no, that's okay. I do recall that it could still be on the police department's website, because oh. I remember um, when I worked there, we did uh, some uh, partnerships mm-hmm. on that, and also uh, I believe some of them involve the courts, the juvenile courts. Yes, yes, it's all dependent on the situation that happens with the kids. So I know that it could be the juvenile courts, but we do. It's not just for students who have um, engaged in illegal activities. Sometimes right. we engage in those practices in the school system um, just to be more supportive and and more encompassing of how to overcome the the behavior that may have occurred and and, right. and learn from those mistakes, but. Yeah, there's there's a, a whole episode worth of restorative justice that I'm sure right. you can discuss next. I'll remember that. Good. What um, when we talk about empathy, what are you know sort of the ages where you start to worry? You know, I I can imagine that when you have a very young child, they may just you know be thinking about themselves i want that lollipop or i want those uh, animal crackers or something like that or i want to play this game so they're not potentially thinking about the person in the room with them or their preschool playmate or something like that but when do we start as parents or caring adults in a child's life kind of you know getting concerned about empathy and thinking gosh you know why don't they care about that other person how could they just hit them or you know and and are there signs that we should be looking for on when we need to do more as that caring adult Mm -hmm. well and and I think that question is a little bit tricky only Uh because there are a lot of factors that play into that Um, a student with disabilities may have more difficulty understanding the emotions of others and and so that could vary based on that developmental um, growth and progress could vary and and the big thing I think about is we can't worry if it's not a skill that we've tried to teach our, our child or our students. And so I, I know we've talked about this in the past, but the social-emotional learning component mm-hmm. of the curriculum that teachers are embedding in, in their lessons can really build on empathy and relationship skills. So now we know that we are putting a greater emphasis on that in Fairfax County Public Schools. It's always been there, but but we're working on it more so that we can say, we're, we're providing this relationship skill instruction to all students. And then from the school's perspective, 
When we still start to see concerns and challenges in that area, we then um, refer for a greater level of intervention, right? And we have different social skills curriculums and and different curriculums that psychologists, counselors, and social workers will um, have groups of students participate in. And and then you know we'll we'll consult with parents and say, is this a concern at home? We're looking is is this a consistent deficit across settings or is it just in certain circumstances when when they're they have very heightened emotions so so some of it is circumstantial too um, but if if you have questions or concerns about that with your specific child I really would encourage to call the school-based counselors social workers and psychologists because they'll help you navigate that it is really child by child so every school has those uh, the access to those counselors and clinicians. So please, please, please use them if you have questions. Absolutely. Um, empathy is all about emotion. So, and we've talked a little bit about discussing emotion with your child. And how does that look? Um, people right now are so tied up in trying to figure things out in their own lives. But what could possibly cause a parent to just stop in their tracks and say, I need to have this conversation. Maybe it's listening to this podcast right now. I don't know. But what could you say to make that suggestion that parents and friends and caring adults have those conversations with their kids about emotions and about how to talk about emotions? Yeah, I I just think that is an ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. And especially with our teens, mm-hmm. I, we always say, have those conversations when you're not at peak. It, it, mm-hmm. You know, you have to do that when everybody's in a calm state and try to be in a, a very... A, a non-threatening environment, meaning it's harder to have those conversations face-to-face sitting there. But maybe when you're riding in the car, you're driving somewhere, having that the conversations, or after a situation where you've been really happy or really excited or really proud, um, having those conversations afterwards and, and, and praising kids for the, the things that they've done well. Or if they handle frustration really well or anxiety really well, being able to have those conversations. I also think it's important when I always need time afterwards. So mm-hmm. sometimes I have to take a time out after I've had an emotional situation and then talk about it afterwards. And really, mo- again, it comes back to modeling, mm-hmm. expressing how you're feeling um, and, and talking about it so that you have made it okay for your child to talk about it too. When you say expressing how you're feeling as an adult, do you mean sort of expressing it to yourself or, you know, and writing it down or should you call a friend? How, how do you do that? Yeah. Um, well, you do. So your kids don't need to know everything that's going on that's in your right. life, right? right. And, of and we have to be cons- take that into consideration, but letting them know how we're feeling when it's appropriate mm-hmm. um, to manage your own emotional response. Maybe it is phoning a friend. Maybe mm-hmm. it's journaling, like you said. Um, it could be. It, it could be going for a walk and really being able to process on your own. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be out loud. Um, I'm a big fan of Mark Brackett, who talks about permission to feel. And we had some schools that implement the ruler program. And part of that is is 
recognizing how we're feeling in our own emotions. And I, I use the the ruler app. It's called the mood meter to the be able to meter. the mood meter. Yes. Helpful. To, um, and it, it helps me sometimes label the emotion I'm feeling. Um, but I also get to, uh, you know, when you put it into the app, it gives what strategy am I going to use to stay here if it's one of those more positive, energized emotions, or if it's um, an emotion where I'm feeling really tired and I'm not being productive, then then what strategies am I going to use to to be a little bit more productive? Do I need a cup of coffee? Do I need to go for a five minute walk? So it's just it's helpful for me, but everybody has to find what works for them because it, it varies. I think it's really interesting and really instructional for you to offer these you know practical suggestions mm-hmm. for people because I I've often said that you know when you don't feel well and your stomach hurts or your your ankle hurts then you go to a doctor and you get mm-hmm. it checked out but what do we do when you're in a bad mood and that bad mood continues or it comes up at unusual times you know things like that you're talking about and those resources I think that's super helpful not only for parents and listeners but you know, in thinking about yourself as well as your kids. Yeah, and there are a lot. Uh, I was actually um, in a student group not too long ago, and they were talking about self-care. Mm-hmm. And and uh, just like I said, the students were saying, my self-care tool will not work for you, Lucy. It might not work for you. Mm-hmm. But when you have a whole toolbox of things to consider, you can try one and say, hey, that was really helpful. Um, and they also talked about the different apps on your phone that you can use. What were some of the tools and apps they talked about? Uh, Do you remember? Yeah, I do remember Headspace was one. And Mm -hmm. some of them cost money, but some of them are free. And I couldn't tell you which was which. But um, Headspace, Calm... yeah, I can't think of all of the names. There was a whole list, but I can look for those and post them somewhere because sometimes they just have different activities that can can be very, very helpful in, in being able to center myself or cal- get back to calm or even go to sleep. Some of them are mindfulness activities to, to be able to fall asleep, all different things. I love those suggestions. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, I just download the All Trails app oh. and I hit the trails. Absolutely. <laughs> I have that one as well. That's a, that's a good option. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you never know when you're going to need to take that walk. And yes. Take that walk around the block and get some <laughs> fresh air. Um, another thing that, you know, I read the Healthy Minds blog, mm-hmm. and that's a wonderful um, partnership between Fairfax County and Fairfax County Public Schools. It is. And so I do encourage everyone to read that blog. One of the issues on there in this month is about empathy and cultivating empathy Mm -hmm. in uh, children. But one of the issues they talk about is helping others develop kindness and caring by being involved in the community or globally. Do you have any thoughts about those kinds of activities? Yeah, I mean, it all looks a little bit different right now, doesn't it? Because we can't go necessarily to a public place and be able to, or work at um, like a food pantry or something like that. However, I know that a lot of kids are writing cards for people that might be in nursing homes or even thank yous to our, our frontline workers, right? People in the hospital, postal workers, our delivery people. Um, there, are, there are ways of showing that appreciation. I think that um, 
positive contributions can also happen in the home. You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a service learning activity. Mm-hmm. It could be that um, your your child helped you unload the dishwasher without asking, right? Mm-hmm. And and really recognizing when they've done that. I think pets are also such a positive way of showing empathy and caring and love and and you know you're taking care of an animal or even a plant to to help them thrive so there are ways of taking care of each other without having to leave the home as well that's a really good suggestion and i hope everybody listening is thinking about how they can take empathy and why and identifying why it's so important it helps you in your career it helps you with your relationships and your friendships doesn't it it does and and i'm sorry i just thought of one other thing that yeah. you know this is kind of timely too being thankful and grateful mm-hmm. is really really helpful and and fosters empathy in children as well and thinking of those things that we're thankful for on a daily basis or mm-hmm. something that went well and 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 who you're thankful for what they've done to make you feel good or feel feel happy or positive really recognizing others for those actions if it's your teacher being able to send that teacher an email or if it's your mom writing a card for your mom and saying thank you I really appreciate what you've been doing for me so there are those ways of showing those are great ideas. Yeah. And even when you're sitting down at the breakfast table, their dinner table, or sometime when you're together, um, saying to your folks who live in your household, what are three things you're thankful for today? Mm-hmm. What are three things that made you feel good today? Just, you know, simple things, simple conversations, but sometimes it just takes a reminder to make it happen. Yeah. Right. I had uh, teachers at one of the schools I worked at that they were like accountability partners in doing that. So I making sure that. that they reported to each other at the end of each day and, and they both reported it was so powerful for them. Really? Mm-hmm. I love that thought. Writing that down too. I, right? <laughs> well, before I let you go, mm-hmm. I have three things to ask you. We do this with all our wonderful guests. Yes. When was the last time you learned something new? I have to tell you, I am learning new technology strategies on a pretty uh, every week. So I would say yeah. there's some some form of technology. I can't tell you which one it was this week, but it's constant. It's a it's a big learning curve. It is. Yeah. But isn't it exciting? It is, and, and I feel one of the silver linings of all of this is yes. we are learning. Yes. And we're having to do it. We're having to do it, but I feel like those are skills that will stay with me and and keep me engaged with others. So it's great. Absolutely. When was the last time you did something fun? Oh, yesterday I got to, we, I went walking at Burke Lake with one of my dear friends. Oh, so. the leaves are so pretty. So pretty, yes. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. And when was the last time you made a new friend? Oh, so I, last school year I had started at Poe Middle School. And uh-huh. that was really hard for me because it was a new, cha- it was a change from a place I had been for a long time. And one I really, really bonded with the social worker there. She has become one of my dear friends, and um, it, I'm just really lucky to have that relationship now. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Bethany, for being here today and for talking about tips and ways and the importance of cultivating empathy in children. If you have a topic that you'd like Healthy Minds Podcast to explore, don't be shy. Let us know. Send your suggestions to healthyminds at fcps.edu.